Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is community. I am Tom Brown and your host today, Billy Thrall. Let me put down this guitar and get back to the radio. Hey, welcome to Koinonia. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. Thanks, Tom Brown, for letting me steal an hour of the airways. And uh, today's going to be really fun because my guest is a cool person, so you can't mess it up too bad. Hello, Jonathan. And good morning. <laughs> wow, that's a good radio voice. I should just let you take over. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to do here today. Uh, the, the, Tom wants to talk about Koinonia Fellowship Community, and that's what this is. And with Movement Day, the same thing that I'm trying to tell that story, and that is there's actually good news that Jesus is still on the throne, that God is still in control. And one of the beautiful ways that I see God working is in the lives of his people doing good things. So maybe you've heard bad news. Maybe you've been overwhelmed with all kinds of buzz in your life out there. This segment is about great stuff that God's doing. We're not going to lie to you. We are still human beings. But God is at work. I have some crazy stories even after my last week about being reminding to be reminded that God's at work. A verse that motivates us, Jonathan and myself included, and then we're going to talk about him, is Jeremiah 29, 7. And this is where the prophet Jeremiah is telling God's people, Seek the prosperity and peace of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, so will you prosper. That word is actually the Hebrew shalom. The prophet is saying to us, I know you're in exile. I know this isn't your permanent home. I know you don't feel like you fit. I know. I totally know. God gets it. Jesus, that, Jesus could have said that every day. This is not where I'm supposed to end up. But while you're there, God says, seek the shalom, the wholeness, the peace, the prosperity of the city where you live. Because if you pray for that and work toward that, your prosperity becomes through the city, the place I have put you. So it is our goal, Jonathan and mine, that you're listening to this and that you would be part of that shalom, that story, that redemptive peace that God is putting on this planet. That's what we're working for. And uh, we're just thankful that we get to be a piece of that. So the little teaser here in this first segment is uh, just to welcome Jonathan. And then we'll dig into your whole life story. <laughs> a little bit who you are. Can't handle and, the truth. <laughs> we'll see. The microphone falls off. And so uh, a little bit of who you are, Jonathan, a little teaser of your current role, because I think it's fascinating if we really are going to seek the shalom, the peace of where we live, where God has us. I think God has put you in a strategic position for that. So who are you? What are you doing? Well, I'm Jonathan Sanborn. I actually work for the government. What? Crazy. Uh, I work for the Department of Economic Security, which is the largest social service provider in the state of Arizona. We serve 2.2 million people, receive some form of benefit or aid through this department. And I am the faith community liaison. So I represent the agency to the faith community throughout the entire state. So it's kind of a it's it's a big role. I never thought I would be here. Yeah, that's what we're going to dig into. It's going to be fun to hear. But did you guys just hear what this guy said? Here's someone who is uh, a passion for Christ and loves God, 
has been asked by our state to work serving the least of, because that's what DES does, it serves the least of, to work in strategic ways that the church and government can work together to serve our community. Check that out. That's the teaser. All right, so we got to take a break. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Thanks, Tom Brown, for letting us steal this hour. When we come back, we're going to dig more into what it looks like to seek the shalom of our city and how God's even using government and church to pull that off. We'll be back in a second. All right, so welcome back to Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. It's one of my hats. I'm a lot of hats. And uh, <laughs> a lot of hats. Uh, but really, we're here, uh, Jonathan and I are here, to talk about the, the best thing that identifies us, and that is that Jesus rescued our lives. And that's really kind of cool. And we just trust God every day for what we get to do and whatever hat he lets us wear for this season. And going into the break, uh, Jonathan did a quick introduction of who he is, and I think it's amazing. Here is somebody that has been asked by our state government to tap into the resource of the faith community to serve the same people we all want to serve. So as I let him talk about that, (laughs) I'm going to let you talk about your job a little bit, Jonathan. To remind people what's going on here, um, there's no us and them in the real world. There's only us. Mm-hmm. So some of us are teachers, and some of us are artists, and some of us are moms and dads, and some of us have a role where we work in the state government. And I think sometimes as church people, we badmouth government because we think it should go away. And I always tell people, really? So you're going to care for the three o'clock in the morning phone call when the child's in trauma, and you're going to figure out how to feed hungry people on a scale of two million a year. And you're not. And so thankfully, we have to use all the agencies and things that are at our disposal to, to reach those people. So that's what Jonathan's about. So Jonathan, give a little bit, what do you really do? So you've been, I, I got your title. What, what do you do? What's, what's your charge? Well, my charge is I'm a liaison, so it's kind of like an ambassador, and I've been trying to get my business cards changed to ambassador of love because <laughs> I'm trying to bring the love between the church, the faith community, and, the, and government, especially the government that is working to serve the needy in our state, those disadvantaged. Like you said, there are so much places of overlap, places where we want to serve the same people. And again, this isn't us and them. Right. It's we, yeah. we are in need. We, we have people, are people made in God's image in our state who have sometimes really hard things happen to them, yeah. situations that maybe we didn't grow up with or maybe similar circumstances, but they maybe didn't have the support that we had, mm. and it, things could look very different. So we want to be an agency that helps the most vulnerable with temporary assistance to help people get back on their feet. Mm. So, you know, I think a lot of times we just need to remember 
the scale of need. I think sometimes we forget what's really going on, even in our own state. Uh, I don't like that we always score poorly as a state, and we pray that God would elevate us and give us the shalom and seek the prosperity of our city. But Arizona suffers. There is a lot of struggling poor people here, and it's generational. It's a lot of things that play into it, but also it can be circumstantial. A lot of folks, when the market crashed 10 years ago, um, suddenly needed the government to help them uh, eat and survive. So that's the environment that you've been asked to work in. What's What's been so much kind of the funnest thing you've done so far? If you say, boy, this is, this is why I took well, this job. Well, the funnest thing is, is meeting like-minded people who want to do the same thing. And like I get to half of my day or I mean half of my week is really just meeting and connecting with church and charity leaders and faith leaders and saying, hey, let's talk. What are you doing? What, here's what we're doing. Can we work together? And so it's really learning like what's going on down at the Phoenix Rescue Mission? What's happening at, this, at the House of Refuge out in Mesa? What's happening down in Tucson with, in, with Gap Ministries uh, with uh, uh, adopted kids? What's happening up in Flagstaff? It's learning and meeting with these people. And then once we learn to listen to each other, I think we can find ways that say, hey, we're, we're serving in this way. We have these professional skills. And you're doing this here and here. How can we work together and find that? Um, so people, I just want people to hear that the government's a resource for us, that it's not an enemy. It's not, not ter- this isn't territorial. It's a resource. We have access to information and resource to help serve the same families that we're, right. we're helping in. So let me just say that's Jonathan. He's from DES. This is Faith Talk 1360 Koinonia. I'm Billy Thrall. That's a little, you know, reminder where, where we're sitting here because you and I have only just recently met but realize we were talking the same language from two different sectors. And so what I want to kind of talk about now is, did you ever think you'd have this job? Did you, when you were a kid thinking, (laughs) boy, my career path (laughs) is to be in government working as a church relations guy? Um, Absolutely not. (laughs) I would say I'm probably one of the last guys on the list if you thought, wow, Jonathan Sanborn, he's a man made for government. He belongs there. And well, the interesting thing is that there's how many biblical characters reluctantly entered mm. government. And I wouldn't have put myself in any league of biblical characters, but I also, in a sense, have the same story of probably not the number one choice to do that. Yet, in God's amazing sovereignty and his choice, he opened up this opportunity to that my resume ended up in on the hands of the right people who said, hey, maybe that guy might be a, a good fit for what we're doing. So, so what is your resume? Give us a little bit about your background. Where did you come from? Well, I moved out from Los Angeles. Uh, I'm from Los Angeles. That's where my spaceship landed, and I was uh, hatched. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I was born there, um, came to Christ in 88, moved out here in 1989. How did you meet the Lord? Did you come from a faith family? I did come from a faith family, and I think there was a, a good—I um, was exposed to going—I went to a private school— but when college started, I, 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 I went, went crazy. I, I, left, I left the Lord. I didn't, I didn't want to be associated with that, but yet I didn't want to completely deny Christ. And so after about three years, I was disgusted enough with myself, and, sa- and I was realizing if I wanted to claim Christ, I had to be all in. If I'm going to say he's, I'm with Jesus, I want him. And I was afraid that I had to, I had to accept this whole Christian culture this white middle class culture all i had to accept all of that as well mm-hmm. 
but but it really was just about Jesus, and I had to find my way to him personally. And so God got a hold of me, and so by the time I moved out to transfer to Arizona State in 1989, I came out looking to find a Christian group and get involved and, and to, yeah. So how did you plug in at a Christian group at ASU? Yeah, I was involved with a Campus Crusade crew. Uh, had an amazing opportunity, d- uh, d- discipleship and, and evangelism. I was involved in my dorm. I ended up becoming an RA and, and uh, at Manzanita Hall. And uh, some cra- son lived in there some for a while. Crazy things went down there. <laughs> yep. And uh, but I ended up uh, very uh, excited to be serving the Lord wherever He wanted me to. And I ended up after I graduated on the mission field. I went with Crusade to to the former Soviet Union. How a guy from Los Angeles and uh, Arizona, Arizona State, State ends up in Siberia is a is a is another one of <laughs> Did God's you many do ironies. Something wrong? I did. I must have done something wrong. It was judgment, and so to the Siberia. So, but I had minored in Russian, and it's kind of worked out per, like a pretty good fit. So, ended up loving it enough to go back for a second year. So, yeah, my first two years out of college was really in in Russia and loving that. And and then it was the Soviet Union. Uh, it actually changed while I was there. Okay. So I was uh, in Moscow when uh, the some troops went uh, wow. invaded the parliament building and shots were fired. And uh, I had to get to the airport across town and was able to get to Novosibirsk when things settled down a little bit. And uh, yeah, it was really just a few hours for me getting out of the city in time for some more trouble. So, so I, I'm just fascinated by this. So uh, talk about your time there. What what was it like? Where, how did you see God work? I mean, this was a oppressive environment. These were people who hadn't heard about the Lord ever or were afraid to hear about the Lord. What it was, what, what was it like? Well, it, here, we're pretty, we're five time zones away from Moscow and Novosibirsk, Siberia. And so we're really way out there. Um, but it's a city of 1.5 million people. We're in, this was the early 90s and a lot of people had never met an American or especially a Christian. And so it was kind of like an interesting time where people wanted to meet me, wanted to talk with us. We so Sometimes we just had like an American club meeting on campus just to talk with people. And honestly, I fell in love with the Russian people. Mm-hmm. I love the way they think. I love the interactions. And I enjoyed just hanging out with students in the, in the cold dorms at night and just debating mm-hmm. music and philosophy and, and God and just talking about it. So, and I would listen to them and their arguments and they would listen to mine. And we, it really was all based in friendship. And uh, so that was a great first year, like on on Novosibirsk State University, and uh, ended up loving it so much that I wanted to go even deeper. So I lived with a Russian family my second year, wow. and uh, so I went months with well, really like a month or two without speaking English and just living like a Russian. So uh, and got my my Russian got good enough where I was even on television and interviewed <laughs> in on station nice. there in Russia and. Sang for a a, 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 um, a celebration of five thousand people. I sang in the jungle, in so, Russian. In well, no, in English. Okay, it was in sort English. of a shtick, a little shtick I had going. <laughs> that was but your it, little American they loved song. Loved it. Yeah. So had had some. So getting a whole crowd of five thousand Russians to sing in the jungle in Siberia isn't doesn't happen every day, uh, but that did. And but it's one of the amazing things I saw God work and. And there were some definitely. It's not an easy place to live, and uh, but I, I think I, I felt like I fit right in, and uh, enjoyed the culture. And before we have to take a break, a God story. What's one of your God stories of those those two years? Well, really, I think I learned to see how God views us, and uh, how they, they 
God is seen how we're looked on from the outside. And so I became to put a mindset where I was trying to see how I perceive myself. And I, and I know I sometimes bring my American culture mm-hmm. and, along with my Jesus. I think I'm bringing Jesus, but I also bring my culture. But when you live in a, with a Russian family, you, try and, you learn how they're thinking. You kind of see how you view mm-hmm. yourself, that God is bigger than America. God is doing great things apart from my culture. Right. And it's just sort of how can I be authentic to Jesus without bringing my culture along with it? That's so interesting. Yeah, America is only a couple hundred years old. Yeah, God's been at work for thousands of years. Yeah. So it's and interesting God's to remember that. Was in a thousand years in Russia. So, yeah, you know, there's exactly. a long history there. There's a lot of churches there. Yeah. There's a lot of history of Christianity yeah. there. So yeah. we do have to take a break. That's Jonathan Sangborn with the Department of Economic Security. Woo! Post thirty years ago being in Russia, which we'll talk more about that. Uh, And we're going to take a little break, come back and talk more about not only his role, but how God used his story to prepare him for this season. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. This is Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. We are going to take a little break. We appreciate you listening. Maybe God's got your, your ears up a little bit and you're like, wow, where's this going? But we hope you're being encouraged by that. We'll take a little break. Be back in just a couple minutes. Welcome back to Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360. I am Billy Thrall doing a thing called Movement Day Arizona, trying to move the church forward a little bit. That's my goal. And I'm here with Jonathan Sangborn of the Department of Economic Security. And as you, if you heard the previous segment, never would have thought he'd have that title. I want to hear more of his story because it's really fascinating. But here he is now being asked by our state to just do the things the church wants to do in cooperation with the way government can serve people because it can. It has the scale. It has the resources. And uh, really beautiful. You're a bridge builder. You're a connector. And you're the perfect guy to have this role. I know your boss, good people, trying to really serve the state well. And that's just really, really appreciate that. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Okay. So now you're doing what you're doing, but uh, there's some gaps here. Here's a guy who went to crew, learned some Russian, spent two years in Russia. Uh, you know, most people would have said, boy, Jesus, I'll do anything. Just don't send me to Russia. Right. You were like, Jesus, I'll do anything. So please send me to Russia. And uh, beautiful. So what happens post that experience? Well, um, I came back to go to seminary and ended up transferring to seminary in at Asian Theological Seminary in Manila. And wow. so I worked... Uh, it was the it's the largest English speaking seminary in, in Asia, and it has uh, and so and I interned at a church in a garbage dump. Wow! And so it was kind of an eye opening experience I to a, a different. How view. old are you at this point? I was probably uh, mid twenties. So you've done a lot by the time you're in your mid twenties already. Yeah, I'm getting started. Yeah, yeah. it's like and uh, so it was an eye opening experience seeing you know uh, when a congregation a lot of the people in the congregation make their living by scavenging through trash mm-hmm. you have to think you think differently about this and like what how did minds take a little different yeah. illustrations than the one you were using in, in the US how does my mm-hmm. how can i talk with them how can i bring hope how can i walk with them not just talk to the poor but walk with the poor mm-hmm. so that to bring hope and and even ideally so that they're not in that garbage dump 
uh, in you know five years from now? What how can we bring paths out of of that situation? So it was a very eye opening and a new way of expanding my view of what the church could be. How long were you there? I was there for six months. Okay, and uh, so then I came back thinking I was going to go back to Russia, but God totally changed my world over and ended up uh, joining a group called Harvest. And I ended up working for them for over seven and a half years. I was their coordinator for East Africa and, and Asia. What does Harvest do? Harvest trains churches to serve the poor in their communities. And so uh, they, it's very practical. It's like, how, what, what can we do with what we got to show the love of Jesus in our neighborhoods? We don't need to wait for someone from another country. We don't need to wait for the UN. We need to do what we have with what God has given us right now to serve, whether it's a widow across the street who needs a, has a leaky roof, or maybe the kids could use a, bring, a, bring a soccer game together to kind of help build community, or just serve the needy right, right around them. Awesome. Is that the asset-based community development kind of stuff where you look at a community and say, you know, God's actually doing something there? Yeah. And why don't we get those assets on the same page? So were you training that stuff, thinking about that stuff? I was. It's similar. We weren't using that term, but it really was assessing. It, I mean, we, it was assessing their own resources. A church should do that and then use what God has already given you. And so that's not easy. We think about it. Someone mm-hmm. is making $2 a day and you're asking them to be generous. Yeah. You know, because I think every, when we only give to the poor we, and they, we don't allow them to give and serve, we rob them of the dignity of giving. Mm-hmm. And of, of the great of the joy of that, and so I, it was it was a challenge for me, but it was a great experience to go in these remote villages in India, to go through Southeast Asia, to go in far remote areas of Africa and see God's people serving with what they've got, and seeing the blessing. It's like the widow and her two mites. The, a little bit of given in faith, God multiplies. I've seen communities reunited, fa- and healing happen as a result of the faithfulness of. Just simple Christians who want to obey obey Jesus. That's Jonathan Sangborn of the Department of Economic Security. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona here on Quinnia KPXQ. And so you have to come back to the U.S. That's right. I'm I'm always interested in you've experienced God in a unique way in Russia and in the Philippines, Africa, India, and then you come back to the U.S. I want you to think about that for a second because I. An illustration, some dear friends of ours were missionaries for 25 years outside of Tijuana. Mm. She was actually from Tijuana and then married a guy from here. And the first time they came to the U.S. to try to move here for, their, for some continuing ed for their kids, she walked into a grocery store, started crying, and left. Mm. She was tra- actually traumatized by mm. the American options of a grocery store. Yeah. And sometimes we just don't see that culturally, and we assume, well, God, you know, God— wants us all to be like us, and yep. well, he doesn't. So a little bit, you know, a little bit, what did you learn, or how did you have to reassess how, how God was doing his thing, mm-hmm. integrating that with the fact that you are an American and you do live here and trying to train Americans to think differently? Well, you're, you're describing reverse culture shock, and it's just as real as going to another culture. It's just, it can be just as hard, sometimes even harder, to come back to your home culture and, and now that you view it through different eyes. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't always handle it well, at least at first, I had someone walk me through that. But at first, you know, frankly, I became a critic, I became very a little bit judgmental of my own country and my own culture. And you know what happens though when you become really critical and judgmental is that people don't want to hear hear from yeah. you, and you lose your voice in your culture, and you lose your voice. Mm. I lost, you know, in my church, and I think I was, 
I wouldn't say I was a big, loudmouth, angry guy, but I think it just was just a little critical bent. People don't want to talk to you because yeah, you're going to yeah. make fun of the way we do it. We would do it, you know. And so, you know, our church is testing acoustic sound panels, and I had just come from a garbage dump at church, you know, and that's, you know, and how do you reconcile those two? And, mm-hmm. But criticism isn't the same because their journey is different, and God's teaching them at different rates, uh, different ways and different, and different paces. Mm-hmm. And so my mentor at the time said, John, you can be a critic, but he says it is better to light one candle than curse the darkness. Mm -hmm. And so I could be a source of light rather simply than to curse what I viewed as being bad or wrong, even among my in my church. Mm -hmm. And so I said, Lord, how can I be a a lighting a candle Mm -hmm. in my church or in my community? And it really was starting to not to blame us and criticize us, but provide positive opportunities uh, for us to engage the poor and the needy around the world. Mm. And so it kind of opened my eyes to being more of a source of good and hope for our church rather than a, a prophet of condemnation. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really doom. good word, though. I mean, you said that really well. Post-harvest, what'd you do? Well, I ended up going overseas for a master's in mission and development. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> then I was an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> it went to, went to Oxford where I was newly married, and it was a wonderful year being in, uh, in a beautiful little village outside of Oxford, England, and, and uh, ended up coming back. But my wife and I, Melissa, I, mar- I married out of my league. And I did, All I men marry well. up. I did marry up. <laughs> And you married uh, way up, way just up, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I came back, and we just decided I didn't want to be one of those guys who was traveling a ton and leaving my wife and kids at home. Mm-hmm. I made, we, that's not why God brought us together. I was thirty three; I was dying to get married, and yeah. and so if God brought us together, we were going to be a team. And so we ended up uh, coming back and uh, started. I started to pastor a church for international students at Arizona State University. Worked. I was able to bring a lot of my cross cultural yeah, background. That's beautiful. I ended up the very first Sunday I visited the church started. I ended up sitting next to a guy from India, and I had been in his village wow. like a year before. There's a he student thinking he's not going to know anybody. Yeah, and here he is in a small. You're church. describing the grocery market yeah. by his house. Yeah, exactly. I've been down that street. I knew that you know. Awesome. So that was that was I knew as a confirmation, I was going to be in that church, and so five I spent five years doing that. Nice. And then what? Well, I was in. I entered the business world because, yep. you know what? Um, small churches for international students don't make a lot of money, <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was wanting to be faithful, so I started to do some side work, started a company, and that didn't go very well. I, I, I but I knew I, I I have this entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. I want to build new things, not just do what's existing. And so I started, ended up starting a, a family-friendly entertainment company as well. But so over five years, I've sort of struggled in the business world, never quite making it big and getting beat up enough to know it isn't necessarily my calling and <laughs> is to make lots of wealth <laughs> in the kingdom. I think I just wanted to be faithful and mm. be, I want to be creative. And so, but in the middle of that, in the middle of some of the challenges of all that, um, Found had the opportunity to get my resume in front of some people in government, mm. and uh, that's kind of how I ended up around where I'm at these days. We're gonna we're gonna take a break here in a couple minutes, and we're gonna use the last segment. I really want you to talk about your role in the government and some dreams you have for that. <clears throat> but before we leave your story, if you look backwards now and say, "Wow, you know, who'd have thunk?" What are some of the themes that you? have seen play out in your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, another way I would say that is if you were going to sit down with a 20-year-old who just met the Lord in college and say, boy, 
I just want to share something with you from my own experience. What would be some of those things? I think the first one is the ability, as God's grown me in the ability to get along with all kinds of people, just about anybody. You And so in government, you have to work with all kinds of people and, and all different kinds of faiths and different groups, you know. And so I think that for me, I'm very comfortable in that. And so that's one. I think the idea of being positive, providing positive alternatives. Mm-hmm. Not to just people, criticism. Not just criticism. Providing, say, hey, what, here's what we can do to move forward. Mm-hmm. That's probably a second one. And the third is that, hey, there's a lot of hurting, broken people. I've gotten beat up enough. Literally, I got beat up one time in, mm-hmm. on the mission field when I had my, face, my nose broken. And, and so I understand getting beat up by life and a, a lot of other things. And so I think having compassion for people who've been uh, roughed up by, by the world and mm-hmm. roughed up by, by the sin of others, and as well as their own sin, but especially the sin of others. I understand that. So I think it's, it helps me to give me compassion because with just a couple things that have gone differently in my life, I, I'd be, I could be homeless and mm-hmm. it wasn't for just a couple loving people, a couple things turned right. I think it might be a little different. Jonathan, awesome. I love the way you're sharing these things. We do have to take a break and talk a little bit more about your cool role right now. Jonathan Sangborn with the Department of Economic Security. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. And this is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Thank you, Tom Brown, for letting us steal this hour. And thank you, listener, for listening to how God is using Jonathan. Hopefully you're encouraged even in your own life. We're going to take a break, and we got another segment coming back after that. The real practical ways and that what you're doing now is serving people. We'll drill into that. So we'll take a little break and be back in just a couple minutes. Welcome back. I'm Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. This is Koinonia here on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. My guest is Jonathan Sengborn with the Department of Economic Security. And if you haven't heard anything up till now, you just turned on. You got to hear the podcast. This guy's story is crazy cool. Uh, Jesus rescued him and sent him to Siberia because he wanted to go there, literally. And then Vietnam and India and Africa and Philippines. You've been all over the place. And now... You have this unique role where you work for the Department of Economic Security, which is a state agency, and does a lot of stuff, serves people all over the state. I mean, these are, this is how you get housing assistance and food stamps and job assistance and all the things that the poor among us need to survive for that small season of, of time when they just need initial help to get back on their feet. And you're the faith guy. A little bit more, so somebody who's never had any idea what that could be, what are some of the goals that you have, let's say in the next six months, in the next year, in your role? What are some of the things that you're hoping you see happen? Well, I've been given a lot of freedom in my position. Uh, I have a a structure. It's it's, Government jobs are always very accountable. Everyone wants (laughs) to know what you're doing, which is a good thing. I mean, I I recognize that every dollar I get is is a taxpayer dollar. And I think that was one misconception I had, is that uh, is is that <laughs> is that everyone who works in government has it's sort of like a cush job. Nope. And it's, and it's soft. 
and you, once you get one of those, you're set for life. No, no absolutely, it's not. hard work and it's long hours. It's hard work, and it's long accountable. hours, yep. and there are also just so many wonderful giving yep. people who work for our government and work in our department, who are on the front lines of some of, of people whose lives are very difficult and challenged. And they're trying as much as they can, the best they know how to serve them. That's a great reminder. I think we forget that. You know, there's vulnerable families around us, and they're invisible to most people. Mm-hmm. Why? Because people that work at DES are, are in their lives helping them every day, so we're not in their life. And, and a lot of people we know see their calling to stay in their job in the government. You know, we maybe do a disservice to them on a Sunday. We're like, if, if you really love Jesus, you're going to be in full-time ministry. Nope. Uh, these people feel they really love God, and they're using that this platform of the government agency to do the very work God's called them to. Yeah. It's a great reminder. Yeah, like Joseph, Daniel, you'll see a lot of people that God puts into government and, uh, and can use them mightily. So tell me uh, some of the goals, some of the things that you're dreaming about for this next year. You're, I know you're an entrepreneur. You create new things. You've got a lot of vision and passion. What are some of the things you're hoping to see happen? Well, it's interesting that my background in working with the poor and the needy in the church and the developing countries, a lot of the same principles apply here, is how can we reduce dependency and help people not only, not only help the poor, but how can we help them get out of poverty? And so that's kind of a theme that I have, and I've creating roundtables where we're listening to uh, faith leaders and say, you have a voice at the table. You're doing these things. What, what can we do together? What, what are some new approaches? Give me an example of some of the stuff people are working on together. Um, well, like homelessness. Yep. Um, there's, that's that's off, oftentimes a big, is, is a big issue where a lot, the faith community reaches out. But ver- sometimes the uh, uh, churches or, or, or groups uh, might give out not knowing there's actually a longer-term solution that the government is working on right there across the street. Give so, an example of that, because be real practical. I think it's a great example of ways that the church can learn mm-hmm. what's already happening. Well, di- uh, there's actually county agencies and state yeah. agencies that all want to help the homeless. And so when we come in with our big hearts of compassion— I think one way we could do that is to go and first listen to what are what is the government already doing to address homelessness and, and other nonprofits and other and nonprofits. Other people, yes, there's well thought out strategies. Who people who spend their entire lives thinking about these issues, mm. and so we would do well in our in in order to help is to listen and learn from people who are who love the Lord or people who have been in government, people who are working for these agencies who are doing some amazing things. I think that's a a great word. And a lot of times I'll get a phone call. You probably do too. Hey, I'm with the homeless guy at so-and-so avenues. What do I do? And you think, should I give him five bucks? Should I give him a ride somewhere? And I always tell people, you know what? Somebody's loving on that person probably. Mm -hmm. And I know in the moment it's kind of challenging, but go back to your church small group, go back to your family and make it part of what you do to learn who's out there. Mm -hmm. You know, Phoenix Rescue Mission's on the street. The Dream Center is on the street. You know, all these Teen Challenge, Joe Razzo and Basic Mission, yeah. these people, these guys, the Human Services campuses, they're on the streets every day loving these communities. Jim Welter's doing impact, you know, Sunny Slope thing. Yeah. And that same, th- those are people that I would love you for the church to know. And so it's really interesting that you're using your government platform to create roundtables around those issues. Yeah. And so that's, I think, just opening the dialogue. You know, just like an ambassador, you, you bring people together to talk and to understand each other. And so I think that's probably the most effective thing that I could do if we, we start listening to each other. 
like there's one group uh, that uh, was helping out homeless youth. Uh, they closed their doors. And so we were able to connect with some other groups that were wanting to serve the homeless youth and brought them in and were able to connect with state agencies and maybe help help meet those needs that were some people who were maybe left out in the streets without any help. That's Jonathan Sangborn with the Department of Economic Security. I'm still Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. This is Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360. Okay, I want to shift a little bit. Uh, what drives you? What what breaks you, motivates you every day? What what's the what's the what's the heartbeat of Jonathan? Woo. Um, that's a great question. I I'm a I know how God has made me. And uh I, well, at least it's a learning process. I guess in my mid-40s, I'm f- starting to figure it out. But part of it is God has made me. I love people. I enjoy learning about and meeting people. And so and, and I think that's from the Lord. And so God is going to put me into like tasks where I'm connecting and around people and, and I can serve them. And so I enjoyed it as a pastor. I also enjoyed it uh, overseas, but I enjoy it now in my job. And so I, knowing that... I also have uh, – it drives me to uh, meet needs, to serve others. I don't, I don't have all the gifts. I don't think I could run a big church or – but I think that's something I, I, I can have some compassion for the suffering. It, it hurts me. I think uh, God has brought – made me more aware of how Jesus was a man of sorrows. And so I think it gives me a compassion towards people when they're suffering rather than maybe I just want to fix them or uh, change them or, or even just, but really have the compassion that comes along with suffering. And then thirdly, I like to create uh, what's new, what, what can be done new that it hasn't been done yet. I, I like that. I like, I like the entrepreneurial scene here in our city. There's some great people always trying new businesses. Hey, let's try this out. I love that spirit. So it, I think that God's used that as well. You got a great story. God's done amazing things. There's cool things happening. You're in a real cool wheelhouse job. But is there something breaking your heart? Um, I it's interesting that I think it's some things that break my heart is that when the churches don't want to work together, mm-hmm. is that we view uh, brothers and sisters in Christ as somehow an other. Mm-hmm. That somehow they're not as informed as we think we are. They know less. Or maybe we've got it all figured out, but I feel like we have, we're better together and we can learn from each other. And so when I see people unwilling to work together, that kind of, that hurts. I think we can do, do better. And, and I think it projects, the world sees it when they, when a government agency wants to reach out to the church and, and the churches aren't talking to each other or don't come to the table because they want to do everything their own way. I think we just have to have a little bit of humility to know that we don't have all the answers and we need each other. So I think in the flip of that, I think there's maybe nothing as beautiful as when the church does come together. You know, John 17, Jesus's prayer for us that we would be one as he and the father are one. There's one church. There's only one church in the whole world. There's just one. And there's not 50, there's not thousand. There's one. It meets in different mm-hmm. ways and languages, does its thing, but there's one. And that, that John 17 says, then the world, then the world would be drawn to Christ because we came together. Mm. So I'm glad that breaks your heart, because I think it also breaks God's heart mm. when his people um, don't remember their family. My little other illustration for that is, at Thanksgiving, everybody's welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make that weird jello, and you make that other thing, but it's okay. Mm. 
Yeah. And if the church felt more like that to each other and even to the community, like, you know, everyone's welcome here. Whatever your condition, whatever your space, you might be Crazy Uncle Larry, but Crazy Uncle Larry's welcome and has a gift to give. Right. So I appreciate that that's kind of your heartbeat. A couple more minutes and we got to take our last break here. Uh, how do you navigate being a faith person in a government role? Well, ultimately, it's my job to be like Jesus and, and give love and grace to those who are around me. And it's amazing how people from all around him felt comfortable to come to him, who people who worked for the government, people who were in, in, in working on the streets, people, all kinds of people felt comfortable to him. And so I hope that I can create that atmosphere around me that people feel comfortable no matter whatever their background is. There are people who don't like the church. Yeah. They don't trust them. And there's people who really think the church can be a force for good. Mm-hmm. I was at uh, an event where uh, Governor Ducey s- spoke and says, hey, the government can't do it all by themselves. We need the church. And so the government's actually reaching out to us mm-hmm. saying we can, we can meet needs together. We can work together. We just have to listen to each other and belong. And so I think that's for me. And it's ultimately not my job to change anybody. Yeah. I can just by if I'm like Christ, as much as I, with all my sin and failings as well, but as much as I can be like Christ, that ultimately I don't need to force or try to change anybody because I just want to show the love of Christ to those who I come across. How does somebody get a hold of you if they're fascinated by what God's doing? How do they find you? Email address? Best yeah, way email works really well for me. Okay. so It is? <laughs> jsanborn at azdes.gov. I'm going to have you spell all that out. J-S-A-N-B-O-R-N at azdes.gov. Check it out. One of our, our peeps, God has given him a really sweet role uh, in his state uh, government right now, and appreciate you being here. we got to take this last break. We'll come back and close in just a little bit. It's Jonathan Sangborn with DES. I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ, and we appreciate Tom Brown letting us have some space to tell the good news of what God's people are doing in our city and in our state. We'll take this last break, come back and close with a, with a wham, I'm sure. So be back in just a couple minutes. Sweet time. Thank you for being here, Jonathan. Appreciate uh, your vulnerability and your story and opening yourself up for what God's going to do in you. Really appreciate being here. So It's a pleasure for me to be here. It's an honor. Uh, Jonathan Sangborn, the Department of Economic Security, just really sweet where God's got you. And so I thought it would be sweet if we ended this time, maybe with the reminder of the devotional, and then maybe have you pray. Pray for our, our state. Pray for the vulnerable and the, the church to remind each of you that we believe that God's speaking to us as he did through Jeremiah, that when we seek the shalom, which is the peace and prosperity of the cities he's put us in, even though we know we don't feel at home, when we seek that prosperity and pray for it, we'll also find our shalom, our own peace. So I'm going to have Jonathan pray for us, and we'll close out here in just a, just a minute. Father God, you are the Prince of Peace. You, you define it, uh, and you embodiment, uh, embody it through Jesus Christ. 
Thank you for this time together. Thank you for uh, friendship. Thank you that your word uh, always comes back effective and achieves its purpose. Help us to humble ourselves, to unite ourselves to those in need. We are recipients of your grace. Everything we have is a blessing from you. And therefore, we need to be the same to those in need around us. May the love of Jesus flow through us, through our lives, so that others will see how good a God you are because of our faithfulness to you. So may the love, your love define us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, brother. Jonathan, appreciate what you're doing here. So if you're listening, I want to remind you God is big. God is at work. This isn't a joke. This is the real deal. He is rescuing people like Jonathan and myself. And the amazing thing is he rescues us to be in the rescue business with him. So thank you for listening. Hope you've been encouraged. If you missed part of it, go back and listen to the podcast. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. This is Quinania, And I am Billy Thrall with Movement Day Arizona, praying with my friends and leaders and others that God would move in our city, that we would look back and go, wow, God has blessed us. So God bless you as you listen and go on with the rest of your day. We'll be back next time here on Koinonia.